You're listening to the Emerging Futures podcast with Joe Mardell. world leader Carlo Sentiz, whose many positions include founder and CEO of the World Innovation Alliance, member of the Programming Board of International Development and the Secretariat of the Global Innovation Fund at World Humanitarian Forum, CEO of a West China relations consulting company, global shaper at the World Economic Forum, and Boston Global Forum Artificial Intelligence World Society Young Leader. Carlo is a social entrepreneur, consultant, and lecturer on innovation, education, communication, social impact, and international relations. Carlo has developed projects for more than 100 international companies and public institutions across multiple industries, lectured in 11 different universities and business schools, spoken at more than 150 events, generated more than 1,500 media impacts and more than 90 million social media interactions with his campaigns, reaching 200 million combined followers and viewers through influencer and TV promotions in 10 different countries. On top of all this, Carlos speaks Spanish, English, Chinese, French and Arabic. Thanks for joining me today, Carlos. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Why are you such a tech for good advocate? Because I speak to a lot of people who want to make a positive change in the world. And some of them are um, quite pessimistic about technology. And they think that um, technology could actually do bad in the world. But you think different. And and could you tell us why? Well, that is a very important question. And uh, the truth is that it can be incredibly positive and help solve many of the biggest problems that we're facing. And at the same time, it can create a lot of damage. So it is not that because it has potential for good, it does not have potential for bad. Is it that I believe that we need to do our best to leverage technology to solve problems and make sure that we have the right policies and the right controls and the right incentives. So the technology that we create is ethical and does not go in the path that creates uh, more harm than good. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You know, I speak to people like that who are pessimistic about technology, technology. And what I, what I always say to them is that this technology is here. It's only going to get more advanced. And if we don't make sure that it's used for good, it will fall into the hands of the wrong people and it'll be used for bad. So that's um yeah that's the way i look at it and and i can see that you share my opinion on that absolutely and the reason why i and and many other people believe in in the power of technology for good is because it has proven to be incredibly useful and if you see the way ai is helping with diagnostics the way we are able to find solutions that were completely hidden the way we're using what is called generative design, what allows you to do combinatorial. So you look for all the options available, you find the right one that is going to better solve the problem. And you are just doing massive leaps forward instead of just guessing. The level of advancement that we have thanks to technology, the fact that we are now having this conversation, the fact that we have the internet to connect, the opportunities that that brings for growth for poverty reduction, the opportunities for fighting climate change, 
we are living in a technological world and we are even able to travel and fly and we can do things that were completely impossible for most of the uh, time that, that we have been around, mm. right? So we, the, the fact is that technology and engineering and innovation has helped us have a better life, has helped us develop uh, the amount of people that have come up come out of, of poverty thanks to technology or, or in part thanks to all the uh, progress that we've made as, as, as mankind is just staggering. And the question is, what are the, the next steps? What can we do? How can we better apply the technology that is available? Uh, I believe there's a huge gap between the available technology and the one that we're using. We need so long to apply technology to the different industries. So we are losing a lot of opportunities to actually make things better faster. And there's resistance. And sometimes there's, uh, of course, the inertia of organizations. And sometimes is that we are uh, stopped by regulations or, or, or our policymakers are, don't, are not being able to catch up with the level of, of advancement of technology. The, the fact of the matter is we need to understand better the technology. We need to understand better the implications it has. We need to assess better the risks that it can bring and, and, and see what we can do to actually make things better by focusing on the most important problems that, that affect the most negatively to the most people, trying to look for the most scalable and, and more easily implementable solutions and try to see how we can leverage the fact that technology allows us to scale things up. Mm. There's, there's just so many solutions. One of them that, that I love is, uh, for example, uh, I guess you're familiar with the XPRIZE. They are creating amazing centralized projects mm. that bring some sort of price uh, normally economically where you crowdsource the solution for a problem and and many times it has to do with technology and one of them is for example uh, the one that they did in education lately which is let's create a technology that allows people that do not know how to read to learn how to read without any assistance from a mentor or from a, a master or from a teacher mm. uh, in in a few months and and so a lot of entrepreneurs came and they actually found the solution for that. And there's just so many examples. One of them that is incredible is the fact that we have Wikipedia or that we have the project from NASA to spot the different stars or, or different systems or the way we are crowdsourcing the uh, way that we, we can understand how the, way, how the brain works and how the neurons work. The power of crowdsourcing, the power of using technology to connect people to find solutions Mm. Is, is just incredible. And, and we could go on and on with this forever. Uh, it, it's just undeniable that technology mm. has an incredible potential for good. The problems that, that you know, we, we are facing is that with a more um, a, a, a society and an economy that is so dependent on technology, the risks are huge. I am incredibly concerned about the possibilities of, of cyber war there's hundreds of millions, if not billions of cyber attacks every single year. And there's gonna be more. Just think of IOT connected cities when every single device and every single uh, aspect of our lives has some sort of connection to the internet. That is going to help us achieve a lot and it's going to make us grow faster, but everything is hackable. Your autonomous vehicle is hackable. Your toaster, your refrigerator, your uh, air conditioning, the streets, the lamps, everything is hackable. And we have seen in many uh, different films how, you know, sometimes they get into the system and they 
you know, block traffic lights or they do something with uh, whatever system of, of, the, of the country and then everything collapses, right? And that is perfectly possible. And, and it's happening all the time. We just had a huge attack in, in the US government. I think it was uh, two weeks ago. I don't remember the, the exact name, but it affected a, a company that, that had systems implemented in, in almost all government agencies. And the more devices, the more robots, the more uh, connected uh, you know, uh, dots mm -hmm. to the internet of things, the, the more at risk we are. And the problems mm -hmm. we have with not only cybersecurity, but also with privacy, we are being recorded and monitored all the time. And it's not about one country or the other. It's all the countries that can, they do it. No matter how badly they criticize other countries because all the other countries are evil and they are uh, you know, uh, dictatorships, the reality is that every country that can afford it, they're implementing facial recognition everywhere. And uh, you know, in China, you have 1.4 billion people that can be recognized in three seconds. And that is both scary and at the same time, it's something that they have to be proud of because it is incredibly difficult to accomplish that. And Australia, uh, the European Union, uh, the US, everybody wants to do that. It's just that it's also very difficult to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Now the question is, are we going to be more free, happier or better with those technologies implemented at that scale? Uh, are there risks or not? There are a lot of risks. There are a lot of problems. I think we have to, even forget about the idea of privacy the way we used to conceive it because we're not going back. And, and the question is, how can we fight with our voice, with our actions, with our vote, with, with our working in, in all fields, how we develop these technologies, how to regulate them in order to make sure that uh, the, the risks are as controlled as possible mm. and that we, we don't allow these technologies to, to go in, in the wrong path as you were mentioning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And um, I can see how passionate you are about tech for good. And I know how passionate you are about entrepreneurship. But do you think that it's enough to create a truly utopian future where we can eliminate problems like cybersecurity? Do you think that's even possible? Um, a lot of the problems that will arise from these new technologies, yes, they will do a lot of good. But you're right, there are problems that will arise. And can we solve those problems with just tech and entrepreneurship alone? Or do we also need significant political and economic change to match the tech-induced social change? Absolutely. We are firm advocates of the need of both technology, innovation, education, political reform, and cooperation between different types of organizations in order to make anything work to solve any problem. And every time you solve a problem, you may be creating a new one and you just didn't even know. So it is, it is never going to be the case that we live in a perfect society or that there's no problems of cybersecurity or any other type of security. Uh, it's, it's obvious that there's no way we're gonna live in a utopia at, at all. What we can do is we can improve things. And I think that we, we should focus on improvement, on improving mm -hmm. as much as we can in all the fields that, that we can. And I, I think that that should be valid both for uh, the compass of a, the, the compass of a person, you know, how do I live my life? Well, I live towards improvement. I try to make things better because I know that I have the potential for evil. I have the potential for doing things that are bad for myself and for the others. So I'm going to try to run away from all the bad I can do as a human being. And I am going to try to be the best I can be, not mm. because I will ever be perfect, but because I can be better than what I am. Sure. And as a society and as an industry, as a, you know, as a company, 
if you focus on trying to be better, more ethical, you know, more valuable. Uh, if you if you are trying to become the best you can be in whatever you are, then we're going to make sure that things are just simply better. Mm. Now, will they ever be perfect? No, I don't think so. But if you think about the level of progress that we have been able to achieve, not that people are completely grateful for what we have, but we should not take for granted everything that we have. We have democracy. We have rights that were not there and were not so obvious. It is a miracle that we have the level of rights and security. And, you know, even I, I live in Spain and, and, and I have the possibility of going to the hospital to do whatever surgery and I'm fine, you know, and I don't even have to pay for that. And, and, and people still complain because they are in a queue for long, you know, for a long time or because the internet connection is not fast enough. And there's people, and I know a lot of friends all over the world. I have, uh, you know, members in our organization in more than 140 countries. When you talk to people, for example, like my teacher of Arabic, she was doing an exam in Damascus and there was a missile that, came, that, that fell in the building next to hers and hundreds of students of her university died while doing the exam. And, and, and there's people in, in Africa that are dying because they, they just have raids or, or you know, rival gangs or whatever it is. And, and there's just entire villages that are burned to, to, to the ground. And, and we don't even recognize that even in our own countries where all, there's a lot of people that are living in extreme poverty conditions and that people are suffering because life is complicated. Now, how much better are we than in the past? Now, how, how much fairer the system is? Is our you know, justice system perfect? Not at all. Shall we try to improve it? Of course, but we've done a great job at trying to you know, come up with a system that is uh, better. And I think that when we focus on improving things and not taking for granted what we have, trying to keep and secure what we have been able to accomplish, but also seeing if there's any possible way we can make it better so there's less suffering, so we take more care of the environment, of animals, of ourselves. If we can focus on, on improvement, then we should go in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's definitely of huge importance that we emphasize the progress that we have made and um, like you just said there's so many things that we have drastically improved um, through the use of technology and um, and I can see that some of Peter Diamandis's teachings are um, emanating through what you're saying and I'm a huge fan of uh, Peter Diamandis and it's something that he talks about all the time is that we must appreciate how far we've come um, and I, I truly believe that but I do have to just pull you up on something that you said about utopia. And um, actually the, the kind of catchphrase or um, the mission of my uh, small business that I'm setting up, I like to say that we're trying to make utopia reality. And of course, of course, um, you know, if you define utopia as a perfect world where there are no problems, I'm completely with you that that is never going to happen. That is impossible. And um, it's a futile attempt to even strive for that. But at the same time, making utopia reality is something that I think is what we should all strive for because oh, yeah. utopia is situational. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to say that you, you don't agree with me on that. I know you agree with me on that. No, no, no I, I'm completely with you, Joe. And, and you're right. First mm -hmm. of all, we're talking about the same thing. We're striving to make things the best we exactly. can make it. Yeah. And at the same time, I do believe that most of us were at least in the developed world when we're lucky enough to have Good, good environment, we are living somehow in a utopia, right? And, and people think that we we are, you know, living in worse conditions that our, you know, 
parents and that millennials had it uh, had a, a bad uh, starting point is like I do not agree with that. I, I believe we are incredibly lucky, even if we are not making as much money as whoever. The reality is that we are living in a utopia. Like we're able to even choose career paths. We're not just working twelve or thirteen hours a day. We're not slaves. We're we're mm-hmm. like the amount of incredibly beautiful things we're able to enjoy and the amount of problems that we're not having the amount of suffering that we don't have to deal with uh, you know every single day the fact that we of course have a roof of course have food of course we can choose whatever the hell we want to eat it is just incredible and i believe that we are living in utopia in that sense Mm. the problem is if you think about the entirety of of humanity and you see you know the the facts is that you know a lot of people are living in in hell and that's the reality. So if, if you consider your own situation, you may be in a utopia or you can make things so good that you may make sense of a utopia for some people. Now, the question is, can we have a better situation for all people? And I believe mm-hmm. that it is our responsibility and we are global citizens. We are not just citizens of our neighbor or our country. I just don't understand when people think that because I'm Spanish, I represent Spain. I don't represent Spain at all. I am a person that was born in Spain. I live here. I love it. I, I love the European Union, but I love every human being the same. I have friends and people that I don't know. But at the same time, I recognize that we are all part of the same and that we all need to be treated with respect and we all try to support each other. If there's people suffering, if there's people in poverty, I want to try to help. And if even if you help someone and they don't recognize it, they don't appreciate it, they even come back and they do something bad to you, it doesn't matter. I really believe it is my duty and I think it's our duty as citizens, as, as humans, to try to do things the way the, the best we can to, to make things better. That's that's the way I feel. And 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 of course uh, a perfect utopia for everyone all the time without any possibility of risk. I, I don't believe in that. I believe in, in 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 the possibility of making things so good that most of us are in in in, in very good living conditions and in, in really good uh, positive lives. I, I do believe in that. Absolutely. And, and those values are integral to me and what I'm trying to do here at Emerging Futures. Um, and I think you did hit the nail on the head there where you say we are living in a utopia now. You know, we're in the top what one uh, 0.0001% of all the humans that have come before us. And to, to any of those people, if they got to see see what life's like for us Westerners in the 21st century, you know, that, that is a true utopia. It would blow their minds. They wouldn't believe it. And and so we are yeah. so lucky to, to be living in the time that we are. And um, yeah. Uh, yeah, couldn't agree more. A bit more of a personal um, twist on things. I find yeah. it really, really fascinating how you, you know so many languages. Like that is absolutely um, mind-blowing to me. I've always struggled really heavily with learning languages. I didn't take well to it at school, um, but I can see that you're fluent in a good handful of languages. Um, and I really admire that, but it does also intrigue me. As someone who's very passionate about AI and quite clued up on the progression of machine learning, I can see how good translation softwares are becoming. And, um, yep. and I can see the trajectory of that technology. So it, yeah. it does intrigue me why you continue to learn new languages. Absolutely. Well, the first thing is I believe that the last generation or one of the last generations that is going to make some value out of learning languages is probably our 
generation, right? Uh, I'm older than you, but uh, mm. basically yeah, in course. 10 years, in 10 years time, I think there's not going to be, you know, any uh, doubt that translation uh, software is, is just absolutely perfect. Right now, it's almost perfect in many ways, but it's still a struggle, right? When, when you're talking to other people, the level of connection you can get, uh, first, the, the not dependency on, on any software, mm. uh, it's still very valuable. And, and, you know, the way I have been able to create bonds with people from China, from Arab countries, from, you know, all over the world, because I at least try to speak their languages, not that I'm good at any of the languages, mm. not even English, but I, I try. And, and that really helps you to, to build something. Now, in a few years, the friction of communication is just going to be in existence. Right? You're going to be speaking your language. The other person is going to listen to his language. So it's going to be just so easy, so fast, and, and, and so accurate mm. that it, there's not going to be, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a romantic thing to do maybe, but, but not a necessary thing. I completely agree with well, I mean, I completely admire that, and and I can see how um, fulfilling it must be learning languages, and um, and I really do envy you having that ability to to go anywhere in the world where you've learned that language. You can speak to those people um, and really connect with them on another level. But this also ties in quite nicely with the work that Elon Musk's doing at Neuralink with his BCI, yep. the, the Brain Computer Interface Technology, and he talks yep. about a potential future where language like the physical act of speaking language becomes obsolete because we have such advanced advanced brain to brain um, communication with software you know with our um, the extension of our brains into the cloud yeah. do you believe that that's possible what elon musk's doing do you agree with it morally what are your thoughts on the work that elon musk's doing at Neuralink? well i i admire enormously the work that he is doing in general and uh also i am you know fascinated by neuroscience not that i understand it as much as i would like to but i, I do admire it now the, the question is how advanced are we in these technologies when we talk about artificial intelligence people think that we you know everything is you know um as smart as a human and that is super easy and the, the fact of the matter is our intelligence right now is 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 not so developed right and uh what what he's talking about is of course trajectories as you were mentioning right there's there's the possibilities in the future mm, mm. but there's there's some of the technologies that we're talking about that are more imminent than others there's technologies that are you know for example robotics are incredibly advanced in in china you have robots already in the streets right it's like uh, holograms like this there's, there's some uh some technologies that are very very advanced and that we think that are kind of like science fiction like for example the google glasses with the ar that they were a little bit ahead of their time but they're coming again uh there's there's things that we may need some time to adapt to but the adoption is getting faster right but there's other things that still require a very long time Right. And, and uh, the project that, that you mentioned is one of those. It, it, the, the understanding that we have of the brain is very, very small still. Right. And, and, and the potential is, is huge. But the, the amount of time and, and effort that we need in order to get to, for example, the situation where we don't even need to speak anymore because everything is just telepathic, uh, there's, there's a very, very long, long way to that. So what I would say is that it is a very interesting and at the same time, potentially incredibly dangerous uh, technology because right now we are, uh, you know, we, we don't have privacy. It is very difficult. We could be recorded by any device, by any like micro cam. There's, there's like so many 
opportunities to, to be caught if you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing or to just uh, have a violation of your privacy if you were just trying to enjoy your own time. Now, the question is, if you have access directly to the brain of some of a person, there's, there's just literally zero uh, capacity of, of defending yourself of anything. Even thinking about the possibility of doing something would become a potential crime and that would be like minority report. Now, the, the problem is that humans think things that we may not even want to do is just that we have an idea, right? And a lot mm -hmm. of times when you learn about meditation, it says, don't worry, allow your thoughts to come and go because it's fine, right? The, the amount of things that all of us think that would make everyone believe that we're crazy every single day is incredible. Like if people could listen to every single thought that you have, they would hate you forever. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you don't even think that, like you don't proactively think, bad of that person mm, but mm. there's that thought that appears right or you're driving and you think well if i turn right or left uh, we could all die right and, and that doesn't mean that you want to do it that means that that happened there or if you have a dream and then you can say yeah but that is what you really want so because you dreamt of killing someone then you're a murderer it's like no man that, that's, that's not exactly what it means yeah so what, what i'm trying to say here is that the, the dangers of that is you know are, are huge because you know, there's there's no way even you could discern between you know the 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 how much do you believe in that thought that you had or or that emotion and, mm. and, and there's just so much more and this this is something that requires a very long conversation. But uh, what I would say is that the the opportunities and the speed of collaboration between humans, you know, the amount of things that can happen with that are great and and it's it's something that is is worth pursuing. I, I believe in the in the potential of that. But, but the risks are, are very big as well. Sure, I completely agree. I think that brain-computer interface is one of those technologies where, yes, it's quite a long way down the line. And Elon Musk is always a little bit optimistic with his timelines anyway. Um, but Nobody, you know, but, but he's, he's making things happen. And at the same time, there's a lot of applications that are already working that are working very well for mm -hmm. people, for example, that are disabled. For, you know, if, if you can't move and you think about closing the door or bringing, you know, the, the robot to, to give you something that you need or your medicine or or just think of calling the police and you call the police when you are not able to call uh, because you can't move your, your arms or whatever. Like the, the amount of things that, that we can, you know, improve thanks to that. Is, is, is amazing as well yeah you're, you're dead right the potential is absolutely huge maybe the biggest out of all of these technologies but on the flip side that means that there are a lot of very uh worrying potential outcomes that border on a potentially well you know it would be a very dystopian future if we did see things like that come about um the very sci-fi concept of you know, having police turn up at someone's house and arrest them for a murder that they were going to do yeah. the next day, you know, yeah. things like that. It, it, it could be possible in the future. We just don't know. Perfectly possible and, and many more things. And, and, you know, a robot could perfectly well kill you. Not that, you know, the company that created the robots wanted to kill you in the first place, but the possibility of a robot to malfunction and actually kill you, even, you know, because there was a movement of the arm or whatever that can happen. Now, what I believe we have to do, and we have to be very practical about this because it's so easy to just talk about, yeah, risks, potential opportunities, whatever. Now, the, the most important thing we have to do is to actually assess all the risks and, mm. and think, okay, what are all the crazy, awful things that dystopian movies have shown us? Like, what are the worst things we think could happen? Because we cannot even grasp the things that can happen. The amount of uh, change that we're gonna see 
the convergence of all these new technologies. Just think that every one of these technologies could change the entire world alone. The level of transformation that we're going to reach when we reach singularity and all the convergence of all these technologies and all the changes that that's going to bring uh, makes it impossible for us to even grasp what the future may look like. No one envisioned the smartphones and, and many other things that we do have right now, even though we have been dreaming about flying cars forever. And now finally we're getting them. But what I'm trying to say is that in order to be very practical about this, we have to, and, and I mean go companies, governments, media outlets, citizens, associations, I mean everyone. We need to think at a personal level, company level, industry level, government level, what are the risks that we may have? What are the opportunities we may have for each technology, each combinations of technology, and for each of the industries? What can we do to prevent those risks? What are the no-goals? What are the limits that we can trace morally or, or like legally or economically? What are the limits? What are the, the, the implications? And what can we do to use these technologies to make things better as soon as possible? And I think that that is something very practical to do. We're working on that. And, and in, in the World Innovation Alliance, that's what we're trying to do basically, look for solutions and, and try to prevent risks. But, but I think that we, we need a, a larger conversation where we stop just these debates and these discussions that are you know, endless and, and we focus more on, on you know, putting the work in the actual solutions or in the actual problems that, that we see that are coming. And we need to be very, very fast because these things are changing uh, at an ever growing speed and we're not catching up. So we need to be fast and we need to be effective in practical solutions for these problems. I couldn't have said it any better myself and I firmly agree with everything that you just said. I love the work you're doing at World Innovation Alliance. Um, Thank you. And, you know, I'd really suggest that anyone listening to this, go and check them out because it's really going to open your eyes up to the potential of these technologies into the future. But before we finish up, could you just tell the listeners where they can find you online? I will put the links in the description, but just, um, you know, send them to your website or your social medias. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you, with you and I agree with everything uh, you're doing, my friend. I, I really love, love your work. And everybody can follow me on LinkedIn. That's where I put most of my content. I'm Carlos Antis. Uh, they can find me there. And I have a personal website, which is carlosantis.com. And our organization's website is wia.world. Thank you. I really appreciate you giving up the time today. I've thoroughly enjoyed this episode and I've learned loads. Like, honestly, I've learned a lot. And um, yeah, really excited about the future.